I want to talk to you today. We're going to start a brand new series called Roots and Fruits. I've asked this before, but let me just ask again. How many of you are gardeners? You, you really enjoy it? Let me, I'm, I'm just curious. It's kind of hard to see. Really, that's a, to, I, I w- I've always wondered about that. What, what would you guys say? About 5% of you, maybe? How many of you really don't even care about it at all? Okay. And that's a, a little more, maybe, or about the same. How many of you are kind of in between? I mean, you like plants, but you don't really want to have to get out there and do it. Okay. Okay, who pulls the weeds at your house? All right. Who, who does not do that? <laughs> All right. All right. I, I grew up in this, this home that being in the yard and doing things in the yard was kind of a family thing. And I know that's not true for everybody. And I don't know if that's because my dad grew up on a ranch and they grew a lot of different uh, produce products. I mean, they had, they had table grapes, they had walnuts, and, and this was all for sale. And they had an apple orchard. I mean, they did this. And Nicole, she grew up on an apple orchard. I mean, this has been part of my life, it seems like, all my life. So even when we weren't, uh, you know, around like full-on, you know, orchard and ranch type thing, at least the way I was raised, my family, we would be out tilling the garden together, you know, weeding, putting in a lawn. And then because I did that growing up, that ended up being like a, a business when I was in junior high, high school, because there's always somebody who wants their garden redone. They just don't want to do it. You know what I mean? I mean, there's weeds there or grass is grown in or they want a tree moved or a plant moved or something planted. And if you grow up like that, it just, it's just easy. It's fun. I mean, I enjoy it. But most of the time, we don't think about it, do we? I mean, you drive down the street and probably don't think about what's under the ground. We think about what's on top. And if you look at this tree, this picture that, that Nick made, it's amazing. You see this tree on top, and that's usually what we see, and we admire those. And some of them change color in the fall and falls closer than you think. And some of them have big green canopies like that, and some of them are a little different shaped. But what we seldom think about is what supports all of that above the ground. There's so much more underneath the ground. And so much happens below the surface that is so crucial to what's happening on top, and we just don't think about it. I don't know how many of you have ever been driving, it would be driving south right out here on Lakewood Way, as you're getting ready to come to the church, probably what you're doing is thinking, I've got to, I'm looking for the green grass and the pond, and, and uh, how many of you ever look on that hill on the right? Anybody? Anybody like me start to notice some of the roots sticking out of there over the years? And then, that, anybody remember last year when that huge rock fell, and it took the city like a week to get it cleared out of there, and Sometimes you don't think about the roots until a tree gets damaged like that and everything gets washed out. And then at times I've been just amazed at how much of a root was there. Or like, and and, you know, and you didn't grow up like me, but if you're pulling out trees or doing that kind of thing, some trees have a taproot that goes down four or six feet. And your your choice, you know, if you're trying to pull that thing out is, you know, how deep am I going to go to get that out of there? And maybe you're not aware of this, but some roots can generate new plants. I mean, if you don't get the whole thing or get the crown of the root, you're going to have a new plant grow eventually. They're just that strong and that important to the life of the tree. Maybe some of you have noticed that, maybe not. But uh, there's times when uh, there's a drought and that canopy starts to suffer and the leaves start to fall. And the reason that is is because the roots don't have any available water and nutrients to soak up and feed that canopy. 
So the tree does all it can do, and the only thing it can do is to get rid of some of those leaves and preserve some and drop off some excess. So what you're looking at really isn't really anything to do with the leaves as much as it is is the roots. We don't think about that. It's kind of like the whole iceberg, and we've all seen that picture where you know, about 90% of an iceberg is actually underwater. All you see is the very tip. It's the same with the tree. I would say this, that you know, as plants can't even live without water, I mean, you know how it is if you see a nice-looking flower and you cut it in your yard and put it in a vase. If you don't get the water on it soon enough or if the water dries up, there are no roots. That flower will not last very long without the roots. How many, has anybody here, I know I'm getting really garden geeky here. Have any of you ever started plants? You know what I'm talking about? You know what that means? Anybody? Wow, look at that, just a few of us. Okay. Basically, what you can do is, you know, there's certain plants easier than others. You can clip a part of it and put it in some water, and it works better if you get some root stimulator, but sometimes just water will do it. And what happens? It starts to grow roots. It's got to have roots. They're crucial to the life of the plant. It will not grow without them. And just like that, just like those plants, we have to be rooted. We have to have roots Roots that are go below the surface and not just the surface actions and the words and the things that people see. There have to be roots to us that are below the surface and deep and drawing nutrients up into our lives. We have to be like that. Jesus addresses this in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is probably the most famous sermon in the whole Bible. And it's, it's really actually pretty long. And Jesus covers a lot of things. And right in the middle, I mean, there, the Lord's Prayer is in there. There's a lot of things in there. Right in the middle, in chapter 7, we read this. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. That is, by the way they act. You can pick... Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A bad tree can't produce, I'm sorry, a good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. And then here Jesus brings it all together. Just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. I would say it like this. The root determines the fruit. It does. It just does. Know people by their fruits. Doesn't that sound a little like judging? We're told not to judge, though, right? right? Haven't we heard that before? But how are you going to judge and then not determine somebody's fruits? I mean, the fact is, when you look at their fruits, you, in, in effect, and by definition, are judging. Remember I said that this sto- this, these verses we read were right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount? They're actually right in the middle of chapter 7. And if you read all of chapter 7, guess what it starts with? Anybody want to guess? Something to do with a log and speck and judge. Do you think Jesus just didn't know what he was talking about? Do you think he got confused? Or do you think he actually intends for us to judge these things, but to do it in a non-hypocritical way? That's what we're not supposed to be as hypocrites. And the fact is, as Jesus starts chapter 7, he says, don't judge other people, and then you be doing the same things. That would be like you trying to pull a speck out of their eye when you have a plank in yours. So he says, don't judge in areas where you are struggling. 
But that's not the only judging that takes place in that chapter. The rest of that chapter, it's really interesting because he talks about the golden rule in that chapter. Anybody tell me what that is? Do unto others what you'd have them do unto you. How can you even do that without making a judgment? You have to judge actions to even know what that means. Jesus talks about the narrow gate, and there's, there's a very narrow way to get to heaven. And those who are outside aren't going to make it in there. Then he sandwiches in this portion here about the good fruit and the bad fruit. Then he talks about the definition of true disciples. And then to get even more judgmental, sorry, I, used, I had to throw that word in there, to get even more judging, that whole section, remember the story about building on the sand or building on the rock? That's how that chapter ends. It's all judging. The whole thing is telling you to be a good judge and to judge fairly and rightly. And right in the middle, he says, you will know people by their fruits. It's a cause and effect relationship. Good fruit, or pardon me, good roots equals a good tree equals good fruit. And then the converse is true. Bad roots, damaged roots, roots that aren't getting the right nutrients are going to be a bad tree, which are going to produce bad fruit. And Jesus flat out tells us to judge those things. What I want to see us be is a people that live consistent lives and produce good fruit. So it'd be easy on the one hand to say, do good things, do good things, do good things. Right? But it starts deeper than that. You don't walk out to a tree and just say, produce me good fruit. You have to prepare it and give it good soil and then give it good root. And then those roots ultimately will create a tree that will produce the kind of fruit that we want to see. That's how it works. You will know people by the fruit. And these things are determined by the root. But we don't like that, do we? And in our society today, that sounds too cut and dried and too right and wrong. And it seems uncomfortable. And we like gray areas, don't we? We do it all the time. We, we want to find some middle gray area. And we do it in subtle ways. It's, it's funny because, I, I mean, like for instance, if I stood up here and I said, does this shirt make me look fat? What would you say? Most people are nice about it. In their mind, they're thinking, Pastor Dennis, I hate to tell you this. It's not the shirt that makes you look fat. It's your fat. Your fat makes you look fat. The shirt's just a shirt. But you don't say that, right? We don't say that because that would be too offensive and cruel and right and i'm using a silly example because what you say is no oh, that shirt looks nice right and what i heard was good i don't look fat and i'm self-deluded and we do it all the time we like to swim in what's gray when really in truth there's not a lot of that gray the fact is when you get this uh, you don't have the option of gray when we're talking about fruit Jesus calls our fruit either good or bad. And the fact is we all are producing fruit all the time. The difference is whether it's good or bad. The difference is whether our fruit is sweet and healthy and life-giving or if it is bitter and dangerous and dark and dealing in, in, in death and drawing people away. The difference is are we drawing people to Christ or are we expelling them and pushing them away? The root determines the fruit roots determine fruit it's just how it is you want good fruit you have to have good root but we do fake it don't we or we try to fake it 
We try to fake our fruit. I know it's getting a little alliterative here and the words are kind of being weird, but we do try to fake it. But you can only fool some of the people some of the time. And eventually, whatever the root is will come out in the fruit. How many of you have ever had this happen where you go to the grocery store and you try to pick a good piece of fruit and you get home and you're very disappointed? Anybody else? I mean, it looks good. And I've talked to grocers before, and, I, I, and I've had some be honest, and they'll say, well, we do certain things in here to make it look good. I said, really? They said, yeah, we, we, we have sometimes we'll spray something on there that will help ripen it, but that's not, that's not the best way. You know, Nicole's family that with the orchard that she grew up on, they did apples and peaches, and one of the things they were very famous for is picking their peaches ripe. Most people can't do that. You know why? Peaches are soft. And they'll get damaged. It's really difficult to get a ripe peach. So the peaches normally that we buy in the store, they're picked green and they're allowed to ripen. They'll never taste the same. I actually grew up thinking I didn't like peaches because the only peaches I'd had were those ones in a can and maybe one from the store that just didn't, uh, it just didn't taste good. And then the first time I had a peach at her family's orchard, I thought, oh my goodness, this is what it's supposed to taste like. I had no idea. And we try to do that with our fruit, but you can only do it for a while. It's kind of like this. Let me give you another example, the fruit thing. How many of you have had this experience where you see somebody and they're out of the context you know them in? Okay, let me, I'll just give you an example. Like when, I keep using Nicole today. I didn't even tell you I was going to do this. Uh, when she, was, when she did, you know, worked with um, kind of special ed and she worked with the, the uh, focus room and kind of the, some of the difficult kids up, up in our school in Liberty, and then we would be together maybe, it could be anywhere, it could be, it could be at the grocery store. And one of the little kids, it would be so funny, we walked out and they'd be, you're, 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 Miss, you're Mrs. Luce. She'd be like, yeah, but Mrs. Luce wasn't in the school. That's where she's supposed to be. And we have certain fruit that we show where we're different people at different places. Now, of course, Mrs. Luce is the same everywhere. She's the most you know, gracious and giving and wonderful person every single place. But for some of us, when we see people out of context, we're a little worried because the fruit that we've shown them isn't the fruit that may be appropriate now. Like maybe somebody, this this would never happen to you, I'm sure, but maybe someone comes to church from your work and you're like, but they know me a different way there or from your school or from a different context because the fruit will get out there. You can fake it. But eventually, people will see the fruit. I had a sad realization of like that once. I was, at, I was actually performing a funeral, and I didn't know the gentleman. I had just met with the family, and we prepared the funeral. And as we were talking, you know, we, we had the time where people could come up and share some memories. And the, the person came up, and I saw the looks on the family. They were like, and I, I'm like, well, I, we had invited people up. And the guy gets up, and he goes, I have no idea who you're talking about at this funeral. He goes, because the guy I knew... He didn't live like the person you're talking about. And I had to gently escort him off, say, thank you, we're trying to, you know, remember this person well. And I thought, oh, my goodness. Because the fruit wasn't the same. It didn't match the life. The fruit actually did match the root, but we didn't know what the root was. Wouldn't it be great if your words and your life matched? Wouldn't it be great if your words and your life and your root all lined up correctly? Wouldn't it be great if everywhere you were that the fruit people saw was indeed the good fruit? 
Wouldn't it be great that everywhere you were, people would want some of that fruit because it was nutritious and sweet and it gave them a taste of heaven itself? If our yes meant yes and our no meant no and is meant is. Talking about politics. You know one thing I've noticed about politics? I I don't remember when this dawned on me, but I thought it was so funny because, you know, in politics, generally, people aren't talking about their Christian faith. I mean, they'll be Christians when it's convenient, right, for the crowd. I mean, they'll pander here and there. But but aside from all of that, have you noticed that almost every political ad, almost every political speech, what are they talking about? They're talking about the other person's fruit or their own fruit. And what they keep pointing out is inconsistencies and hypocrisies. If somebody has a moral failure and they'll say, oh, well, he did this, but he said it was like this. Or if somebody, you know, did something that they didn't think was good in government, but they said it was this. It's all the same thing. They judge by a standard. And that's what we're talking about today. I mean, their standard's a little off and who knows about all that. What I'm saying is we are told to judge and we judge day in, day out. And we are judged day in, day out. Your fruit is constantly on display. And people are constantly judging it over and over and over. There's another portion of scripture that talks about fruit and talks about trees. Let's, let's look at this in Psalm chapter 1. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like the trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do, but not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff that's scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly, for the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. I want to ask you a simple question starting out. The, the meat of the sermon. Are you planted? Are you planted? Are you planted? <laughs> planted things, you, you know this, right? Going off that Psalm 1, planted things, they stay where they belong. <laughs> they stay there. Planted things flourish and grow. They, they have fruit. Planted things are consistent. They do what they're supposed to do. And let me take this one step further. Planted implies that you know some things about you, some things about you. In our Sunday school, we do a marriage Sunday school class. I'd love for you guys to come at nine, those, you know, who were wanting to work on those marriages. Something they said in the class today, in the video we are watching, they said, um, they said, uh, awareness is curative. I like that. Are you aware of your own planting? Because if you are, then you have a, sta- a, a chance of finding health there. And if the fruit you're bearing isn't lining up with what you know it should be, rather than working so hard to produce the right fruit, start working on your root, and the fruit will come naturally. It'll come naturally. Planted implies that you know some things, that you know who you are, where you are, why you're there, what you're doing, and then who planted you. So let's start off here really quick with, with you know who you are. This could be a very deep subject, couldn't it? Who you are. And we've preached entire sermon series even on this. But in, in short, who you are. 
And who you are is a different answer for different people. It could be the first thing when I say, who are you? Maybe the first thing that comes to mind is, is your family of origin, maybe your last name. Maybe, maybe it's your ethnicity or, or race or whatever you claim to be. Maybe it's your job or your profession or maybe it's where, what you're doing in your life at this time if it's a student. Maybe it's your maleness or femaleness or maybe your age if you're an adult or a senior adult or a senior in high school or a young adult or an adolescent. Maybe it's that. But that's all really important, but that's not what I'm talking about. Who you are. If you're planted, you know this. You know who you are. And the first thing that's the most important thing is who you are in Christ. Who you are in Christ. Paul uses this phrase throughout his letters. He talks about being in Christ. That's important because most Jews took more pride in their Jewishness and being a child of Abraham than anything. And Paul changed that around and said, no, you're in Christ. That's who you are. If you start there and that's the firm part of your root, the basic, most basic part of your root, that's going to change everything. Because if you're in Christ, you're going to behave different. You're going to think different. You're going to react different. You're going to love different things. Because if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. You're a Christ follower. You're a child of the king. You have different roots than everybody else. Because you're in Christ. Are you planted in that? I mean, is that really your identity? The base root of your identity? Ages ago, I happened to be with some friends and we were... We were doing this long trip in Europe. We were there for three weeks in a row. And at this point, we'd been two, two and a half weeks on the road. And we were in Paris. And all we'd heard for, for weeks was foreign languages around us and on and on. I mean, you run into people who speak English. And it was the funniest thing in the world. We were, we were standing near the Champs-Élysées, that big circle. And I heard these ladies speaking English. Speaking English. But more important than that, what perked my ear up is they were speaking like Christians. They're saying stuff like, oh, Lord Jesus, thank you that we found this. And we walked, they're African-American. We walked over and we had this bond, not based on race. And it even went beyond our nationality. Because we right away were like, are you a Christian? That's the first thing I said. I didn't have to say, are you American? I could tell that. I said, are you a Christian? They said, yes. And then they're all hugging us. Because <laughs> we were in, in Christ together. And we both shared about how this feels so good. I feel like I have a little of America right here on this corner in the middle of this foreign country with all these different people. And because we were united in something that was at the core of who we were, was more who we were than anything else. More than our ethnicity, more than our nationality, more than any other thing we were the same. Who are you? Who are you? Sadly, so many times people define themselves by failures or maybe by physical things or, or, or words that have been attached to them in their past. But I want to challenge you. Let your root be what God says you are. And what he says you are, if you're a Christian, you're a child of the king. And that defines you deeper as a person than any anything else let's go to the next thing you got to know where you are where you are where you are 
That verse in Psalms said that the, the tree bears its fruit in the right season. And we're, we're told that in heaven, there are going to be trees there that bear fruit continuously. And you know, living here in the Midwest, we have real seasons here. I love that. I love that we have summer. And then next, we're going to get to enjoy fall, and the trees will change. And, and there will be some trees and bushes that have really beautiful colors. And then, you know, our evergreens will stay green, but then the, the rest of the trees and plants will lose their leaves. And then we go through the winter, and then the, the spring comes, and certain plants come up first. And you have the crocus that pop out, and then tulips, and then different things that come out. And it's fun. It's fun living here. But what season are you in? Do you know where you are? I mean, are you planted and are you where you're supposed to be in your life? That's a, kind of a deep question. I realize that. But, but the answer to it will tell me a lot about what kind of fruit you're bearing at this point. I've experienced this myself and been able to give this wisdom to some young dads who maybe they like to do certain things, certain activities. But then when you have children, that becomes more important than anything else whether it's softball or video game or hunting or fishing. And, you know, there's years where you don't really care about catching fish because you're teaching someone to fish. It's a season. And the fruit shows that because that's more important at that point. Whether you're a mom and you're taking care of things at home and you never thought you would. I was reminded of that. <laughs> this week at kids camp, there was a mom there with a the kid and she had one of those blowouts where the you know what I'm talking about? Wear the diaper and you're like, how did that get all up on her back? <laughs> how did that even happen? And you never thought you'd be doing that. But you're doing it because you're where you're supposed to be at this moment. God does that with us. He puts you in certain places at certain times. I said this a few weeks ago. You, you students that are in middle school and high school, your job right now is going to school and some of you, your job is making a living to support your family because that is where you're supposed to be. And if your root is healthy and that's where you're planted, then you're going to produce fruit that you can only produce at the right season because you know where you're supposed to be and you're there and you're in the right place. You're planted there and you're doing the right thing. Some of you think, well, I don't have to have fruit because I'm retired or I, my life has changed and I've got, you know, grandkids. And, but that's not true. That's not true. The fact is we're all planted at a certain place and God has fruit for us to bear right there. But if you don't realize where you are and you're thinking about another place you'd rather be, then you're not going to bear the fruit where you need to be. You need to understand where you are. You need to know where it is and plant that fruit. I could even make an application to this church. I am glad you're here in this church, in this building, among these people. This is a body of Christ that Christ has placed right here on this hill to do things that no other church could or should do. He does that. He has different expressions of his body and, and right now on a Sunday morning in different buildings all over town. And, and maybe you don't do this, and if you don't, you should. I pray for them. I'm so thankful that, that uh, you know, Blue Springs Baptist took over Tri-City, and it's flourishing. I'm thankful for that. When I saw that that congregation was declining and I saw that that building was for sale and I, my prayer every day is God restore that, that body of Christ in that place. Restore it. Let it be. When I hear about trouble at another church, it breaks my heart and we pray for them. 
But having said that, I'm glad you're planted here. Because we need you here. You have a place here. You have fruit to produce in this house. There are people who come in here who need you. They need the resources that you provide. They need your life experiences. They need somebody to care about them and to talk to them and walk them through stages of life that they're in. And when they're struggling with certain things, for someone to pray for them. That's what you do because you're here. You're planted here. Know where you are. You support this place. You support it with your finances so that we in turn can do ministry in this community. The church only exists on the money that you give. That's just how it works. It's funny, you know, I've talked to people who say, oh, we have preachers, they talk about money all the time. And I'm thinking, well, that may be true for some. We don't, but we still need your money because that's what runs this church. And that's how things happen here. And, 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 and to be, be, take that another step further, God blesses you for what you give. And it changes people's lives. Not only does it change your life for giving, but then it changes the people that we invest in. That, that's how it works. Let me talk one more thing about you being planted here. I was, we, we, there's some people who pray with me right before service, and I, I, I'm so thankful for them. And as we were talking, they said, hey, is there anybody in the hospital or needing prayer? And, and it shot to my mind, yeah, there's a lot of people needing prayer. I mean, you know, Annie's in the hospital right now. She's having tests run because she's having pain in her abdomen, and they're trying to figure that out. And, and John, Jonathan Moon, same thing. He's been having pain. He was sent home. They're doing more tests. They're trying to figure out what's going on in his abdomen. Uh, Debbie Atwater had shoulder surgery this last week, and she is recovering. You know, Jerry Snelling had, a, had an infection. Now he's home. He's, he's had a cochlear implant put in, and we're praying to God as they start to turn that on this week. It works. Do you realize that you being planted here means that we take care of those people? Do you know there's people here having babies in the next few weeks? Did you, I don't want to embarrass her, but there's actually a baby being born tomorrow. They're going to induce tomorrow morning. And we're going to love on them, and we're going to support them and care for them because they're planted here. You're planted here. That's what we do. But for that to work, you have to realize, I'm here. This is my church, my people I love you. I care about you. I give to you. That's what you have to see. You have to know where you are. Let's take it to the next step. You got to know why you're there, wherever there is. I'm reminded quickly about that story of Elijah. Great, great prophet of the Lord. But there was a time during the reign of Ahab and Jezebel, famous, famous for their evil. Famous for their evil of killing those following the Lord and famous for their evil of of worshiping and setting up other gods. And in the process of that, Elijah started to lose his sight as a prophet and he started to forget and he started to complain to God and he said, God, I'm the only one. And God said, no, you're not. And then he met one of the palace officials who was literally hiding and protecting a hundred prophets. But Elijah still forgot. And then God put on his heart, he had, he had prayed and God had stopped the rain and he, he went before Ahab and challenged the prophets of Baal, which was the God that Ahab was worshiping to a kind of a sacrifice off. I don't know if you'd call it that today, but basically they got up on Mount Carmel and said, whosoever's God is real, he'll, he'll send fire down. So the prophets of Baal, 400 of them chanted and cut themselves and wailed and he let them do it all day long. And it's a great story, especially if you're a junior hire, because, because then um, uh, Elijah taunts them, and he says, maybe your God's on the bathroom, on the toilet, and he can't hear you. Maybe he's, I mean, literally, that's what it says in the Hebrew. 
At one point, he says, maybe he's busy. He's gone on a trip. And if you know the story, God sends fire down. Those prophets are all killed. The rain comes. Uh, Elijah runs under the power of the Lord 40 miles ahead of Ahab's chariot. He gets there thinking probably that they'll just repent and come to God. And instead, Jezebel puts a death sentence on him. And Elijah pouts and sulks. And what does God say to him? Why are you there, Elijah? And a minute ago when I said you need to know where you are, maybe as I was saying those things, you started to wonder, well, pastor, I'm not really in that great a place, having some doubt. Or maybe you were saying, I'm I'm in a place and I'm struggling because this isn't working out. I've got this problem or this is happening. You got to know why you're there. Sometimes... Life is just difficult and bad things happen. I mean, Jesus said the rain falls on the just and the unjust. The fact is we live in a fallen world where bad things happen a lot. But our response and our reaction to them is really what God was asking Elijah that day. Why are you here, Elijah? And then he goes on to say that he told him, I got more things for you to do. Get up and get out there and get back to work for me. Some of you may be struggling because you're not where you should be or maybe you've got a past that you're thinking i can't get beyond i I heard two quotes this last week that really really encouraged me one said this is from uh i I don't follow john hagee normally but someone had put it online and it was awesome it says when we blame others we end up poisoning our relationships we blame blame never builds it destroys refuse to play the blame game So when we say, if you're planted, you should know why you're there. And if your first reaction is to blame where you are on somebody else, I want to challenge you to let that go. The next quote, I don't know who said this, but it's awesome. It says, make your past a platform, not an anchor. I don't know where you are. You and God know where you are and why you're there. But I do know this. Wherever you are, We serve a God who heals, who forgives, who changes life circumstances and makes those circumstances something that will give you a platform then to let that root grow and your fruit will minister in a way that is even more effective than it ever, ever could be. Let's get to the next thing. Who planted you? Who planted you where you are? I know the right answer because we're in church is what? God. But you need to know who planted you. I hope it's God. But a lot of times it's other things. Sometimes it's us. We think we know where we need to be, right? And we plant ourselves someplace. Sometimes it's other people. And people who really feel like, I don't know if you know anybody like this. I know a few people who, who really think they know what I should do all the time. Don't, don't jump to the conclusion I'm talking about Nicole. I'm not. She actually does know what I'm supposed to do. I'm just, I'm just joking. I'm not talking about your husband or wife, but that may be who it is. But I'm talking about people who try to tell you, but the fact is, it shouldn't be others. And it shouldn't be you. It should be God. He should be the one who plants you, and you should know about that. It shouldn't be your friends. It shouldn't be those things, but a lot of times it is. And worse, sometimes it's other things. Sometimes it's our anxiety. Sometimes it's our fear that plants us. And God wants you to move other other places and bear fruit that's different, but you want this safety and you're afraid and you've got fear and anxiety. And because of that, you don't allow yourself to be planted where God wants you to be planted. 
You realize you can tell God no? You can. You won't grow into the fruit, and you won't grow the fruit he wants you to grow, but you can tell him no. You can. <laughs> Might be just stress that you're under, and you're under so much care and worry that you can't produce the fruit and be planted where you need to be planted. And just like that word we heard today, we serve the I am, the I am God who takes all of that and can give you freedom. Here's the next thing. You need to know what you're doing with your fruit. If you're planted correctly and you're tr that tree planted by the water and your root is healthy, then that fruit you're bearing, you should be seeing it in, in action. And when Jesus says, good tree, I'm adding good root, means good fruit, you should be seeing that put into action. Fruit, fruit goes to waste. What happens? Do you, I, I know I'm getting gardener geeky again, but do you know what happens? Someone tell me. It drops to the ground, and then what? It rots, and then what? It stanks. It's stanky. It's gross. You don't want your fruit to do that. You, your fruit has a purpose God gave you. He planted you in a place, and he wants to do things through your life that only can be done through you. I suffer from uh, sometimes making the mistake, I try to do it all. And I don't try to, let me clarify, I, I don't try to do it all because I think I do it best. It's, it's, this is a weird, stupid thing I do, but I'm sure you don't do this. But I do it because there's things that I feel bad asking people to do. Does that make sense to anybody else? And I'm thinking, it's not the most glamorous or best job, I'm going to just do it. Because I don't want to burden somebody with it, I don't want to bother them. And in doing that, I rob people of letting their fruit do what God intended for it to do. I, I know we did a cleanup day here at the church not too long ago, and I didn't say this. Maybe you could tell because I kept coming in here, but you have no idea, those of you who were cleaning this carpet, how it killed me to let you do that. Because it's hard work. There were people on their hands and knees scrubbing this carpet. And I saw that servanthood, and I thought... God, that is awesome. And then I, I even was apologizing to it for it. And they're like, no, pastor, we, we love to serve. And I thought, man, see, they're serving. They're doing what they're investing in this, this place. They're planted here and they love it and they're serving this church. That's awesome. That's the way it should be. And I'm silly for doing what I do, but your, your fruit has a purpose. And as you bear it, it's going to be good and it's going to have effects. But you need to know what your fruit is doing. And, and the other part of that, the self-awareness part, you sometimes may miss the fact that your fruit may not be as sweet as it should be. But maybe you do know. And if you have any question about that, as I said before, the answer is in taking care of the root. You know, we keep talking, I keep using this analogy, I'm going to beat it to death today, I guess, but your fruit is, you are always bearing fruit. You are. God is always bearing fruit, and he's using you and one of us always to bear the fruit that is needed at the time. The question is whether you're giving it away. He's always working, though. He's always doing that. He's always tilling the soil of our lives, and he's always fertilizing us and feeding us, whether that's here on a Sunday morning or your own Bible study day to day or a Wednesday night or one of the, one of the many life groups that pour into you or the women's ministry or, or Iron Men, which is, again, this Tuesday. I mean, those kind of things God is always doing so that you can bear fruit. 
It's not for you just to hold on to it. Here in America, you've probably heard this a million times, but we are overfed and yet undernourished. We, I mean, how many sermons have we heard, really? And we have access to the best Bible teachers and the most exciting preacher. We, I mean, worship, we have three worship stations in Kansas City. I don't even know any other place that has that. I really, I, maybe there are, I just don't know. I mean, we, you can download anything now online. I mean, anything that would help you grow and produce good fruit. And so often we just keep it to ourselves. That's not what God intended. And so your fruit might look like a roll of toilet paper this week. I don't know. I wasn't anticipating that, but it might be. Your fruit might be you're writing a note to someone who needs encouragement and God has placed it on your heart. It might be providing a meal for one of these that are having babies coming up. It might be you having a word from God. He speaks to you and rather than a prophecy in a service like this, he gives you a prophetic word for somebody. And you might walk up to Pat and say, Pat, I'm going to tell you this because God keeps telling me to tell you. And if it lands with you and makes sense to you, pull it in your heart. If not, you can think I'm crazy. That's fine. Might be. But you have fruit to give. What are you doing with it? It's meant to be shared. Meant to be shared. Last, last thing on the, on the roots here. Roots determine fruits. Healthy things grow. Have you noticed that? Healthy things grow. If there's, if there's a problem with the growth, there's a problem. And, and a lot of times, like I said before, we focus on the canopy of the tree, and we may not think about the roots being the issue. And I, again, because I'm a garden geek, I listen to that Toby Tobin on Saturday mornings every chance I get. Anybody else? Is it just me? Because really, it's like five of us. Okay. Well, someone will come on and say, oh, my tree's got the spots on it. And they'll say, well, it's because of this. You know what it always is? I mean, it's always either a bug or a water problem or, or a nutrient problem in the soil. It's the same with us. If you're not producing the fruit you know you should be, then examine your root. What is going on with it? Because God cares and he's working on it all the time. If I could have the worship team join me up here. As they're coming here, I want to challenge you with a few things. You, you may have been sitting here, and I alluded to this earlier, but you, you may be sitting and kind of evaluating and like, I know how we do. It's just human nature. And we might be thinking, well, actually, my roots, my fruit are pretty good, especially compared to him. We do that. Because it gets us off the hook. It, we, we rationalize all these ways. Or, or you might say, well, my fruit's not as good as it could be, but I'm busy right now. I mean, I got, I got a lot of things going on. You might be saying, my fruit is, I've got some fruit, but um, I, I choose who I give this fruit to. Maybe as I was talking about being planted, you're thinking, I'm not planted where I want to be. I don't like where I'm planted. And you may need to go to God right now, and you may need to talk to him about that. And you may actually be planted where you're supposed to be, but maybe not. And you may be planted where you're supposed to be, and you may just not like it. And you may need God to give you the grace to produce the fruit that he intends to be produced right there, because he's got a plan for that, and it's bigger and beyond what you can see right now. Because he does that with us all the time. Because let me just open a little door to you. If you get to choose everything in your life, you're not actually serving God, you're serving you. Because a lot of times in our life, when we yield ourselves to him, he's going to put us in places that, that either we weren't that comfortable with, 
or we didn't think we were capable of, but he produces fruit in us and does things that we wouldn't normally do. He likes to do that. I want you to do this if you have some time and you're questioning this. Look at scripture. See how many things God did and how many people he worked through in their comfort zone. Serious. Not, I don't know of any. Most of them, they're like, not what I intended, but look what God's put me and look what he's doing through me. That's what he does. Because if you're, again, if you're just doing what you want to do, that's just you. And he wants to do more. I hope you're teachable here this morning. I hope you're open to him saying some things to you and working in you in ways that you hadn't thought of before. And it may mean that you need to look and be honest and maybe you need to even get some, a trusted word from, from your spouse or a friend and say, what does my fruit look like? Because we're supposed to be fruit inspectors, but I want you to inspect you first. You may need help with that today. I want you to shut your eyes with me for just a second. Here's my question to you. What kind of fruit are you producing? Let's just evaluate it for a minute. What, what happens at this time, hopefully a lot of times during your day, but hopefully in this time, the Holy Spirit, one of the jobs he, he does is he convicts us. He speaks to our hearts and tells us, works with our conscience and tells us things that we need to know. What kind of fruit are you producing? Is it sweet and nutritious and helpful to people around you? Is it helpful to the body of Christ? Or maybe your fruit's been a little anemic. Maybe it's been a missing. Maybe it's just even maybe been sour. Let me ask you another question. Are you planted? Are you planted? And if so, where are you planted? Who planted you? How deep are you planted? Maybe you need some tilling done in that soil around you. Maybe that's what you need. Here's what we're going to do for the next few minutes as the worship team leads. I want to invite you down for prayer for anything you need. If it might be a fruit issue for you or a root issue and you just want to pray about that. I'm going to ask for our pastors and wives and board and wives. I'm going to ask you all to stand. I'm going to ask them to come down and prayer team, if you would come down. A lot of times they come down and and you may be looking there and you're thinking, oh, I know if I go up there, someone's going to think I got a problem. You know what? <laughs> we all got problems. Everybody stand with me, please. I want to invite you to come, though. If you want prayer for any of those things, you don't have to tell them what it is. You could just come up and tell them, I need prayer. And then they'll pray. It may mean that you need physical uh, healing. It may mean uh, you may have a situation in your life that you are really struggling with. Whatever it is. I just want to give you a moment to respond to this word today and for you to receive some prayer.